Welcome to the ODA Magazine podcast series. We at ODA wanted to give you the opportunity to dive even deeper into the worlds of the people we get to spend time with. By creating podcasts featuring conversations with creatives and entrepreneurs in all different areas of artistry. From designers, curators, and actors, to philanthropists, models, singers, and photographers. The one through line for each of the podcasts in this series is that they highlight the work of individuals from around the world who participate in and nourish culture and the conversations they inspire. Our guests discuss how they see the future, hopefully one filled with diversity, equality, understanding, and of course, passion. ODA is a platform where self-expression, imagination, and dreams are brought to the next level and shared with those looking to be inspired. 2020 was a very good year for 20-year-old rapper, singer, and songwriter 24 Golden. His earworm of a song, Mood, had, by the end of the year, spent eight weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100, between its original version, which featured Ian Dior, and the remix that had worked in vocals from Justin Bieber and Jay Bival. 24 Golden, who has taken a leave of absence from his full ride at the University of Southern California for business studies, is also in the early stages of setting up a scripted TV series about his life, and his debut album, El Dorado, is set to drop by April. All of which is to say, 24 Golden is currently living his best life. 24 Golden spoke with ODA executive editor Jessica Michaud for this interview. So, Golden, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> Listen, um, I know you just turned 20. Uh, things are just breaking big time for you this year. I wanted to actually go back and talk about, it seems strange to say when you were young, because you're already still young, but when did the idea of music really, you know, come into play for you? Because I know you did a lot of like a little bit of child acting when you were younger, et cetera. But when did the, the music really draw you in? That's such a uh, it's such a tiered question because I feel like I was surrounded with music my whole life. Like my mom and my dad when I was a baby. I don't know how I remember this, but I remember them singing like harmonies. Like my dad with his low voice in my left ear, my mom with her high voice in my right ear of like Michael Jackson songs and stuff like that. So music was always there. There was always music playing in the house. I was always encouraged to sing and and express myself with my voice, but it wasn't until I was 15, uh, sophomore year of high school, when I had already linked up with Paperboy, um, like my big bro, my mentor, and he gave me the opportunity to record music for the first time. Were you always writing or was that something that came about when that relationship with Paperboy started to come together? Nah, I never wrote music at first. Like, like I started rapping when I was like, like the freshman year, like, you know, just getting lit with your friends and freestyling in the car for like two hours, you know, like that was how I started rapping. But yeah. Paperboy taught me how to actually write bars and like, all right, this is a verse, 16 bars. This is a chorus, eight bars, stuff like that. Okay, give it some form and some function. Okay, got it. Um, going back to your parents, I love, I mean, I I'm born and raised in San Francisco too. So I feel like- Oh, where'd spirit. you go to high school? I went to Maramone High School in Orinda, California, right through the Caldecott Tunnel. I know where that is. Yeah. yeah? Yeah, I know where Rinda is. Y'all got like nice hiking locations and shit. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's so great to watch the fog come over the hills into, into the Caldecott. Um, yeah, so your mom is black Catholic. Your mom, I'm sorry, your dad's black and Catholic. Your mom is white and Jewish. So, and both of them are models. So that's where you get your great looks. But talk to me a little bit about the, the cultural dynamic and how you're bringing that into the way you express yourself as an artist. 
I think, you know, for some people, when their parents are so different, and that can be a, a cause of tension or a point of contention in their family dynamics. Like one parent thinks this is the right way to do something. And the other parent thinks that's the right way to do something. But in my house, that was never an issue. That was never a problem. It was like, yo, who would, whoever got the best way that makes more sense for like our child's development, like that's what we want to we wanna go with. So, but my parents aren't like overly, overly religious in the first place. It's more of like a cultural thing and like yeah. um, remembering to like connect with spirituality. But I think having that, that duality growing up gave me uh, a lot of perspective that there isn't just one correct way of doing something. There often is many, many, many correct ways of doing something. So I think how that affects my music is there's no right way to make a rap song or there's no one way to make a pop song or no one way to make a rock song. Mm -hmm. I'm just making songs and, and kind of letting it flow. And I think that openness to, to um, combination and, and spinoffs and variation comes from having such a, a open-minded background and diverse background. No, I mean, what you, when you talk about the way, you know, that there's that generic question of like, how would you describe your music for somebody who doesn't know it? But I love Billie Eilish's answer of like, it's Billie Eilish music. And I would say that that's very similar to you. I don't see your, your music seems to blend a lot of different forms and a lot of different influences. Would you agree? Yeah, a hundred percent. And do you think that, and do you, one of the things when I, when I, uh, pitched you. I said, we've got to do an interview with him. I think he's really great. Uh, the reason I was also interested in you because your attitude is some, your attitude seems very, um, you know, glass half full, very positive, big smiles, joyful. Where does that come from? This kind of, even when you're talking about songs that are a little maybe sad or, or you know, talking about things that are maybe a little bit more dark, you, you do have a positivity that comes through. I want to know a little bit more about that. I've always been like super optimistic, like, like, from, you know, being those early days of kindergarten and first grade, like the teachers would always be like, yo, Golden, you gotta, like, you gotta, you gotta act right or else all these other kids, they're just gonna do what you do. So I was always pushed and encouraged to be that, that, that shining light, you know, in whatever room that I walked into. So that's just, uh, th I think the way I am now is just a continuation of that. Like that's never changed uh, within me because I don't know, the light's better than the darkness to me. Even even when when we deal with those dark situations, because everybody goes through problems, everybody has struggles, but there's you can look at it optimistically like, yo, this shit sucks, but, you know, I'm gonna be OK. It's not the end of the world. Or you could just be like, it's over. Like, fuck, let me throw on all the sad music and just wallow in depression now. And it, it, it ain't always easy to pick uh, the first option because life is hard. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, this last year has been really hard for a lot of people, although I got to say for you, it's been a pretty good year. What has 2020 been like for you? I mean, you had a number of, of songs do really well and in 2019 going into 2020. And then, of course, Mood that just like, you know, broke the Internet, broke all of the records on Billboard. So tell me a little bit about this last year has been for you as somebody who just turned 20. I mean, for God's sake, uh, I, I, I got to. I had a little bit of survivor's remorse, honestly, cause I'm like, yo, everyone around me is like going through it right now. And like, I'm just lit right now. Like the song is blowing up, like everything is good. So that was a, a weird dynamic, but like as the year, you know, came to an end, I'm like, fuck, I really miss being outside in the normal world. Like 
I didn't, I didn't question COVID like, oh, why does this have to happen? Like this sucks as much in the beginning. I was just like, all right, put my head down and work through it. And now that I achieved so much during that time period, I'm like, well, now what do I do? I don't even get to enjoy that, that, you know, had like, I don't even get to enjoy the the fruits of my labors essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, that. but I mean, you did get to do, you know, the New Year's Eve, you know, uh, Dick Clark's rock and New Year's Eve. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, that was dope because I remember watching that with my parents like ever since I was a little kid. But I, like I at the at the risk of sounding ungrateful, I appreciate all those moments. But I just want I want the the real life experience. Like I've never been a, a virtual type of person. Like I grew up in the Internet age. Yes. But I've always been a real life experience person. So this year, this last year, this time period, that was probably the most challenging thing for me. And, and for you, what was the, the, the biggest, like, like, I, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm doing this. This is just my beyond my wildest dreams moment. What has that been for you so far? Honestly, it's more unbelievable. The, the real, like the things I did before mood than, than the things now. Like I, when, whenever anyone asks me like, what's your most memorable experience of being an artist or your favorite performance? I still go back to that 2019 Bay Area Rolling Loud performance because I'm from the Bay Area. That's my hometown. And that was my second Rolling Loud. So the first one I did right across the street from uh, my school at the time, USC, and maybe 50 people showed up. And then boom, six months later, I'm back in my hometown. And I have one of the most lit sets of all of that Bay Area Rolling Loud that year. And I was like, oh my God, like to go from 50 people watching me to 3,000 to 5,000 people watching me in the matter of months, like that's mind boggling. That's mind blowing to me. So that that still resonates with me the most. What makes a lit set? What do you got to do to like get the crowd involved? Going? Um, for that one, honestly, I was wilding out. Like I like brought girls upstage to, to like twerk. Um, and one of them like kicked off uh, one of the, the stage lights. And I didn't even realize it till after like the stage director was so pissed because you're not supposed to bring people up. Like I like to stage dive in my shows. I like to throw water. Basically all the things that venues hate. Oh, don't, don't put that in there else I ain't getting booked. <laughs> you know that's going in. You know that's going in. <laughs> okay, okay. So let's go back to your music a little bit because you, so Valentino and then of course Coco, like, so there's a lot of fashion references. Like who, so what would your dream fantasy be as far as like a designer, a fashion show to go to or designer to wear? Or, or do you have your eye on something in particular? Like the Louis Vuitton show, I don't know if you just saw it with the amazing things that Virgil put out, those like sculptural, but I'm curious as to like, what what's your like dream next fashion purchase? Uh, honestly, when it comes to like clothes and shoes now, it's just a, a constant influx of, of things coming in. And, and I, I have to give stuff away and sell stuff on like Grailed so often just because I'm getting all these clothes in for music videos and photo shoots and this and that. But, but so it's lost. I have like a, you know, I've, now I've made it kind of this purchase or that purchases or something. I, I did those. And then all the <laughs> stuff that I purchased, like off of that type of, mentality I don't even wear that much like the when I got my advance for the first time 
in uh, 2018, like right while I was still at USC, I remember I went and, and I bought three of these North Face Supreme collab bandana jackets, a red one, a blue one, and a black one, just because I really liked them when I was like 15 years old. And then three years later, I get all of them and I'm like, oh, this is so sick. And then I'm like, what the fuck am I doing with $10,000 worth of jackets, like in three jackets right here? And I wore them a lot for the time, but now I don't even wear them that much. Well, I mean, that goes, that's interesting that you say that because I know that you had a, I think it's a full ride to, is it USC for business studies? Is that right? Yeah, you would think somebody that got a full ride in business would be a little smarter with their money at first, right? That's what I want to know. Like, are you like, you? do you have that business sense? You're like, okay, I'm going to start investing for my retirement now. You know, are you thinking about stuff like that? Oh, no, I'm, I'm like 90% of the time I'd say like financially my head is on straight, but there's those 10% of the times where I just wow the fuck out because I'm like, whatever, like it's life, you know, who, who, who cares? But most of the time, like I'm definitely responsible with my money. I don't live beyond my means. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We don't want to have a 50 cent thing happening for sure. I'm just scared of going like, like the way I describe it is, is it's like the basketball game of 21, right? Um, having like, like making money, right? Because in 21, once you get past a certain number, I think it's like 13, the lowest you can get knocked down to is that number 13. But the whole journey up there, points 10, 11, 12, those are the most nerve wracking points because if you get knocked out, then boom, all your hard work goes from 12 to zero instead of from 15 to 13. So until I get to that point of financial comfortability, there's definitely a little part of me that's like scared, like, oh, I didn't make it all the way yet. Mm -hmm, mm hmm. Talking about making it, I know you had the remix um, with Justin from Mood. Is who who were your fantasies? Because you do a lot of collaboration with other artists for your pieces. Who is there? Who's on your bucket list? You know, God, it sounds terrible to say a bucket list for somebody who's twenty, but you know, who would you love to collaborate with next? I mean, what is your what is your wish list look like? Young Thug, Billie Eilish, Drake. Those are probably like my top three right now. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I, I, I think that's a very good top three. <laughs> and then El Dorado, that's coming out when? Um, I just got the date from my label uh, like yesterday, but I don't know if it's gonna be ready in time. So I don't know if I should say it, but I'll say, I'll say probably March, late March, uh, early April. Late that's March, early April. Okay. So you're not, it's not finished yet. I mean, where are you in the process then? So I have 10 songs. I want it to be 13 songs. Yeah, so 13 is my lucky number. I was born on the 13th. A lot of great things have happened to me on the 13th. I got tattooed right there. Ah. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to be 13 songs. I have 10 songs that still need a little bit of work. And then I got those extra three songs that I got to figure out too. And I made a lot of the music during this process, like probably 40, 50 plus songs, um, just working through this whole album experience. But I'm, I'm really, really, really picky. I'm learning about myself. And uh, be, especially since it's my like debut album. So I want to make sure I put my best foot and most true foot forward. So what, so what is that when you're being very, very picky and you have a, a panoply of, of pieces that you can choose from? How are you defining how you want to represent yourself to the world with your first album? I mean, what are, which, again, you're talking about so many different mediums that you like to to travel in as far as you know musical styles which what do you want to represent with this album yeah that's kind of the challenge of being a, a a very genre fluid artist because 
you have so many different types of fans and your fan base is, is it's one, but it's a little segmented because, you know, the people who like Valentino might not necessarily be the same people that like city of angels. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's important to, to, to figure out or to create a project that, that is inclusive to all of my different, to all the different types of people that enjoy my music, but is also, you know, not, it's, it's inclusive to everybody, but not like sacrificing any quality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's gonna, I see why you're struggling to get thir- to 13. I know, I did 10, the 10, the first 10 were like, boom, easy. And then it's always those last couple ones that are like, well, I already have all this great music here. Like, how can I compete with that? And maybe it's not trying to compete with your own music, but just explore those different niches and different vibes. Do you know which one is going to be your first single? I mean, do you already like, this is the one, is there a clarity to that? Or are you still exploring? Well, technically Mood was the first single to the album. Um, and then Coco was a second single. And I got this song called 321, which is coming out um, February 19th, mm-hmm. February 19th. And that is going to be the final single. Okay. And then you gotta get the whole album. And then you get the whole album. All right. So, so for somebody who loves fashion so much, where are you? What's the, the what's the plan for a fashion label? Is that something that you want to do? Yeah. When I, I, I really wanted to do everything at the same time. And then I realized you can't do everything at the same time. So I got to step back on on being a, 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 a full fledged Virgil Abloh, Kanye West type of figure for now and just focus on the music because Kanye West didn't really start he didn't start releasing his own clothes outside of merch like Yeezy until. <sighs> Sorry, one second. Boop, get him out of here. All right, <clears throat> but Kanye. Kanye West. He didn't. He didn't start. He didn't start Yeezy until plenty and plenty of albums. You know, so it kind of makes me realize like, yo, I am twenty. Even though I've done a lot in these first twenty years of my life. I, I'm like just got out of like the tutorial stage. Like I'm just now becoming a, a real adult and a human being. So there's plenty of time for me to pursue that when the time is right. And now what I should focus on is being a, a fashion icon myself mm. and, and making dope merch to kind of push the needle forward as much as I can with the with the time limitations I have. Do you, have you been to a fashion show? Have you gone and sat front row? I mean, granted, there wasn't that a whole lot of space for for you to do that in this last year when you were blown up. Yeah, before I wasn't getting invited and now <laughs> I'm not, uh, it's it's COVID vibes, you know, you can't do shit anymore. So who are, what would your first show, if you could go to any fashion show, who would you want to sit in front row in? Wow, that's a really, really, really big question because whoever I say, some uh, everyone else is going to get offended so i got to pick the one i really like the most um probably just off of like a, a experiential type of thing because well i like virgil's louis vuitton um, collections it's, it's more of like um, certain pieces that, that stand out the most to me because everyone likes Virgil's Louis Vuitton stuff now. And when everyone likes something, I stop liking it as much. Mm-hmm. I can't help myself, but because of the, the environment that he creates and kind of like the world that he creates at his fashion shows, I think that Virgil would be the most fun to go yeah, to. He's a great guy. I've interviewed him a couple of times. He's wonderful. You guys would hit it off big time. I don't know if you've had, to, had the chance to talk to him, but the two of you would hit it off big time. 
I, I just got popping this year, so I can't talk to nobody right now. Like, <laughs> we'll fix that. We'll fix that. I'll hook you up at Louis Vuitton. Listen, um, I also hear that there's there's talk about a television series. Is that true? Yeah. So uh, I actually just did like a pitch meeting um, a couple of days ago, but for this uh, scripted show called Golden, which is based off of my life, because I don't know if a lot of people noticed, but when I when I first you know, signed my deal and decided that I was leaving college. Um, I didn't immediately move into like an apartment or something like that. That summer between being college golden and superstar rapper, pop star 24K golden, I was living at my friend's house in LA. Um, but my friend whose mom is my agent at WME yeah. for TV and film and stuff like that. So boom, I, I'm this kid, you know, from one of the poorest parts of one of the most expensive cities in the world that gets a full scholarship to USC, gets a, a, a full record deal, drops out of school, and then moves into one of the craziest guest houses I've ever lived in in my entire life. Not, like straight up 90210 area co uh, zip code, like Beverly Hills flats. And I'm just there the whole summer um, just doing me, making music, going to the clubs, hanging out, partying, playing basketball, and just that like fish out of water experience leading up to stuff as being the thing that like kicked off my career we all thought that was a crazy um wait, wait. so you are you saying this is like a fresh prince of bel-air 2.0 and that it's like fresh prince of bel-air meets uh entourage basically i love it i love it that is very cool okay 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 um so you mentioned how you had the full ride, right? And you're 20 years old and your parents were like, yeah, sure. You know, put a pause on the full ride for business school and go follow your dream. I mean, how did, what was the fallout with all of that? Are they just like, yeah, do it. Bro, my parents are the best parents in the world. I put my parents up against anyone's parents on a two on two uh, death match any day. <laughs> but, but um, my dad, he was more like receptive to it because it's like, okay, like, this logically makes sense. Like, all right, you can, it was a leave of absence. It wasn't a dropout. So, you know, let's say it all crashed and burned. I could have gone back to school and everything would be fine. I would just be a little delayed. My mom, you know, she's a little bit more emotional. So she was like, well, you're supposed to be a college student and you know, you got this crazy opportunity. And I'm like, but mom, I got an even crazier opportunity. Like, you know how many people go to college? A lot. You know how many people get a record deal? Not that many. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she she uh, understood uh, after a couple of days of talking it over and gave me her full support. But I mean, when 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 a person like me gets that kind of opportunity, like especially from San Francisco, not a lot of artists come out of San Francisco. Very, very few artists come out of San Francisco, let alone the whole Bay Area. Yep. But but when something like that happens, you just got to take after you got to take that leap of faith. And so what was it? Was it when do you felt like, OK, I'm going to make that leap of faith? Was it, you know, when you connect with Barry Weiss or what was that? You're like, OK, this is really something. This is going. We're going to I'm going to take this. I'm going to ride this as long as I can. I think, you know, there's been a bunch of different leaps of faith, like going in and making that song and send in when I was 15, you know, sophomore year and 
literally spending hours texting it to every single person at my school because that could have been the greatest rejection of all time and I might have never picked up a microphone again so that was one of them you know deciding to to leave my home and go to LA was another one then deciding to leave my school my kind of you know safe zone transition place and jump into the real world and be like a full adult after just turning 18 that was probably the biggest one though to me Oh my God. Yeah. Listen, talk to me a little bit about this last year. So we've, you know, the pandemic, but I mean, we can't not have this conversation and talk, not talk about the Black Lives Matter movement as well. I mean, how has that um, affected your outlook or affected your music or has it? I mean, how has that shifted anything for you? Um, I think it's shifted more of my, um, just my, my sense of urgency. Um, rather than my music or my beliefs, because I've always been uh, an advocate for, for my people. Like ever since freshman year of high school, I've been in my school's BSU. We were planning walkouts and doing these multicultural events and, and, and charity events and stuff like that. So it's always been uh, an issue that I was passionate about and, and cared about. But, but after, you know, going to those protests in, in Santa Monica and downtown LA, and and just dealing with not dealing with but but experiencing everything that came as a result of the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor killings I think that just that that clicked my urgency like it made me realize like oh I'm not just a, a kid anymore that like my I have a platform you know and I can use this platform to deeply impact people's lives and and potentially change their perspective on how they see things because I know all these kids right now, especially with my demographic, it's a lot of younger people and they look up to social media stars, artists, actors to be their moral compass, you know, and to, to be their guide. And my dad always told me this, with great power comes great responsibility, just like, you know, Uncle Ben said in Spider-Man. So it now I know like, yo, I have a lot of power now and it's my job to, to, to use it to change the world into the world that I want to live in and that I want to see. And that if I was being born tomorrow, if I, if I had a child being born tomorrow, that they would be fine growing up in that world. Mm. That's, that's a pretty good ending of this conversation. Although I think I could talk to you for, for hours because you're amazing. And, I'm, and I love what you do. The music is so upbeat. It's so fun. It's so playful. I really enjoy it. And at, and at a time when everyone's kind of feeling down in the dumps, it really lifts you up. Even sometimes, even when the music, you know, the lyrics are a little bit hard, the music, it's the energy that you bring to it is really great. Um, is there anything else you want the public to know about you or your mission or your goals or, or anything else that you would want to communicate to them looking towards the future? Um, we're here for a good time and a long time. Uh, you know, it's, it's really surreal growing up in front of the public eye in this way, but, you know, just as I'm on this career, as this journey, as through my career as an artist, like I'm also on this journey of growing up and becoming a man and just growing personally. So let's enjoy this ride together. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Golden, thank you so much for taking taking the time. I really appreciate it. It's been such a blast talking to you. Yeah, my pleasure again. Don't want to miss an episode of the Oda podcast? All you have to do is download our app in the Apple Store or visit Oda's Spotify account. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. And don't forget to leave a review and tell your friends about the new Oda podcast.